You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas Eve, I guess. It's good to see you. Um, I'm, I've got, just so everybody can breathe, I've got like a 15-minute homily here. Uh, we're going to light some candles. We're going to celebrate the incarnation, uh, and then we'll head back out um, into uh, the rain and maybe by the grace of God, the cold tomorrow because it should be cold at Christmas. I, I said a, a few weeks ago that one of the great dangers of this season is to, to really sentimentalize Jesus, to, to just kind of think of baby Jesus in the manger and find ourselves, you know, a, a, seeing him more like Ricky Bobby did, right? Six pound, eight ounce, sweet baby Jesus in a manger and that that might actually lead us to moralize him and, instead of worship him. Uh, and so what I want to do is try to uh, just briefly uh, get us caught up on the marvel of the incarnation. So uh, we, we serve a triune God out of an overflow of his perfections. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit spills out onto the canvas of creation, uh, beauty, order, rhythm, grace. And God the Son, like God the Father, is outside of time. Uh, he is not inside of time. We know this because uh, John says that in the beginning was the Word, and, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So that Jesus is actually outside of time. He is not inside of time. We hear, we read about in Colossians 1 that he actually is the active force of creation, that everything that exists, exists by him and through him. And the Greek word in Colossians 1 is Towards him, which means everything in the creative order is in a crash course with the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is because Jesus is ultimate reality. He sits behind all things as the thing behind all things. And we see him in Genesis 18 appearing to Adam. We watch him wrestle with Jacob in Genesis 32. He is the voice speaking from a bush burning and yet not being consumed in Exodus 3. He's the one that confronts the false prophet Balaam in Numbers 22. He's the commander of the Lord's army in Joshua 5, and he's the fourth man in the fire in Daniel 3, and I could go on and on and on. And this second person of the Trinity, son of God, co-eternal with the Father, all-powerful, the creator and sustainer of all things, according to Philippians 2, condescends and puts on flesh and blood. He becomes like his creation. And the Bible says that he came not bringing tablets, but bringing salvation. That he comes into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world from condemnation. And if you leave Jesus in that manger, you, you sentimentalize him, then he showed up with rules. But Jesus didn't show up with rules. He showed up with freedom. He came to overthrow and to conquer spiritual oppression, sin and death once and for all. And so one of the things that we talk about every year during Advent, because it's all over the Old Testament and New Testament, around the coming of the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, is that a light broke into the world and darkness hadn't been able to do much about it. Right? That, that's kind of what we're marveling at, that Christ 
has come into the world. And John just explicitly says it, right? A light has shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. But that's also how the prophets talked about the coming of Jesus. They didn't shrink back from the brokenness of the world, the oppression of the world, the the hurt and harm and, and gloom of the world, but said a light has broken forth into that gloom. And so I, I wanna read a passage from Isaiah. We're gonna look at that John 1, 5 verse. We're gonna light some candles. We're gonna sing about a silent night that put death on its heels. And then we'll head into this season rejoicing. So here's Isaiah 9, starting in verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her, that her not being a woman, but a people, right? The people of God. But there will be no gloom for the people of God who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Now, all that's happening in this passage is um, the the Old Testament is springing to life about a promise that's about to come. These two cities are significant because they're the northernmost cities in Israel. And every time Israel was invaded by Babylon or Assyria uh, or, or you name it, Egypt, they came through those two cities, burned them to the ground on the way to Jerusalem. And so the people that lived there felt like they were under the contempt of God, right? And, and so that's what's going on in this passage. But, but he's saying in the latter times, a new day is coming. There'll be a day when, and he goes on to say, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They, the people of God, rejoice before you as with joy at harvest. And so anytime in an agrarian society, it's harvest time, it's party time. Right? You can watch the Old Testament festivals. They're linked up with harvest. And, and when it's harvest, it's the best food, the best wine. Uh, the, the, I mean, they went hard in Israel. I mean, you can look it up. You, you study the Old Testament. I mean, yeah, like a month-long feast that everybody had to show up for or you were in trouble. Like they, they knew how to go. And, and so this is a reference to a time where there's great abundance and there's great food and there's great wine and there's dancing and music and delight. He's going, this is what happens when, when the light breaks into the darkness, that the people grow in their rejoicing. And then he goes on to use this language of cosmic victory here that I think's lost mostly in, on us in a kind of a post-enlightenment kind of tech-heavy day and age where we love scary movies about the supernatural. We just don't believe uh, actually there's a supernatural, which actually is plays to our detriment. But let me finish the text. I told you we'd be short. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest. Now look at the cosmic victory language here. As they are glad when they divide the spoil. Do you hear the language? They divide the spoil. They conquered and now they're spoiled to divide among them. So, so a couple of things about this passage briefly. Um, one, I, I love, and I say this all the time, the, the Bible never puts before you and I a picture of reality that's inconsistent with the world that we live in. But like the words that are in this text, if I could just briefly do it, because it's Christmas time, they're not the focus of this time of the year, gloom anguish, darkness, 
deep darkness, right? right? That like the Bible, it's being real honest about life in a fallen world, that sin and death and spiritual oppression are very real things. And, and you might even be in this room today feeling these things deeply. Gosh, I know where we live. Like I've been in this community for two decades. I know we like to smile while the house is on fire behind us. I know we like to, how you doing brother when our whole world is burning to the ground. Like one of the things, if I could do anything in my time here with you, if I could drive out that nonsense that says if you're a Christian, you always have to have spirit sprinkle goofy happiness on your face. It's not this text. Gloom, anguish, deep darkness. Maybe that's been your year. I've had a couple of years like that. Been following Jesus hard for 30. I've had a few years like that. But the good news of the incarnation is not that we've got, ooh, a new moral teacher. The good news of the incarnation is not, oh, hey, at the coming of, geez, we're going to get some cool presents, right? It's not like, oh, PS5. That's not, that's not what's happening here. This is light shining in the darkness and darkness not being able to do much about it. Let's read. Well, I'll read it over us. Um, this is John 1, 5. Here's what it says. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, this is a, John plays a little game here with the Koine Greek. He, he, he puts this word shine in kind of a present, ongoing action, so it loops on itself and loops on itself and loops on itself. It'd be kind of an annoying way to hear a sentence. It would read like this. The light shines on still, even now shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That, that's literally how you would translate that word in the present, active ongoing action that the light shines on still even now shining in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it it's because john doesn't want to root the incarnation of the son of god in some past moment that had a glory day but actually a light that's penetrating the darkness all the way to the end of time until darkness has been completely driven out of the creative order at the consummation of all things and so when you and i gather on Christmas morning, when you and I gather to celebrate the incarnation, we're not rallying around a good moral teacher. We're not rallying around this kind of example of what life might be like. We're rallying around the fact that Jesus came into the same broken world that you and I were born into, yet he was without sin. And he imputes that righteousness to you and me. That where we have failed, he has not. Where we fall short, he does not. Where we cave, he never has. And then he hands us his righteousness in his death and resurrection so that when God looks at us, he sees the perfection of Christ and not our foolishness. And, and that's reason to be in awe. And only one who is outside of time and innocent can step into that space and fill it. This is the condescension of the Son of God who's come into the world, not to condemn you, but to save you from condemnation. Uh, not to put you on your heels, but to invite you in. Not to, to, to send you to hell, but to rescue you from your own foolishness and the foolishness of others. We, we see that um, Satan himself puts his full weight against Jesus, and, and, and Jesus wins. He, he, he wins where Adam failed. He wins where Moses fails. He comes through where Elijah had failed and David had failed and on and on and on I go. The victory of Christ, even over Satan, if you read the Bible, is secure. Like Jesus never gets in arguments with demonic principalities and powers. He just tells them what to do. It's only in scary movies that does the priest get driven out of the room. 
right? Because you know, you, you've seen them. They're like some of the best selling Like when that priest shows up, you're like, he gone. He gone, gone. Like they, they ain't a chat. I got to say, he, he like, he's like an actor you've never seen before. He was like on a soap commercial once. You know he's gone. But Jesus never gets in an argument with the demon. Like if you read the New Testament, uh, like Jesus shows up and they're like, uh-oh, okay. We know who you are, the Holy One of God. Have you come to destroy us before the appointed time? Like Jesus doesn't tell them to be quiet and leave them like, not today, Jesus. They're like, whoa, okay, this is not, this is a God man here. This is fully God, fully man. This is different. You have Jesus' victory over the devil because the light has shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And then you had uh, the Roman Empire, which it's hard for us to imagine the Roman Empire as Americans, not just Americans, but Texan Americans, <laughs> right? The, the Roman Empire ruled the known world, India, to England for 1,500 years. We're not even 300 yet. I mean, we're like already circling the drain and aren't out of diapers, <laughs> right? This is the Roman Empire, and they put their face to squash and destroy this little startup thing by this peasant from Galilee. And the harder they pressed, the more it grew. Like the, the secular world can't do much about the fact that the light has shone in the darkness and the darkness hasn't been able to overcome it. And so where, where you had a sinful world and you had Satan himself and you've got secular powers and then even in Jesus' time, religious powers sought to destroy and distort. And, and yet here we are, worshiping King Jesus here outside of Dallas 2,000 years later, 2,000 plus years Later And then, gosh, one of my favorite things, one of the things that always fills me with hope is that even the incompetence of his disciples was not able to stop the light that shone in the darkness. Yeah, I, I'm going to say it again because it's my Christmas present to you. <laughs> even the incompetence of his disciples. Look, if you're going to pick a team, you're probably not picking those 12. I'm just saying, if I'm hiring a staff, I'm probably not starting there. And yet, this is what you see repeatedly in the Bible, God pulling from the fringes those who would become his brightest lights. There is not a type of person that is used by God in profound ways because we are all the same, fallen, broken, prone to wonder, and in desperate need of a savior, and yet even in our frailty, weakness, and foolishness, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There are 2.5 billion Christians worldwide, which means over the next 24, 36 hours, millions and millions and millions into the billions of people are gonna gather they're going to talk about the coming of Jesus. They're going to worship him as the King of kings and Lord of lords. They're not going to leave him in the manger. He, he is uppermost in their affection. He is the ordering force of their lives. And they are filled with the Spirit, pushing back darkness and establishing light and order wherever God has planted them. And, and this is what you and I are celebrating. And this is what's underneath. And, and I'm here for it. Like I'm here for the trees and the tinsels and, and jolly old St. Nick sliding down the chimney. I'm here for all of it. Uh, I think enjoy it, feast, play, party, laugh, rejoice, 
Turn your face to him, but let's not miss what's underneath all of that, giving it meaning and depth and transforming power. One of my favorite historians talks about, it's a great book called The Rise of Christianity, or if you don't, you don't want to read a Christian historian, you can read a, a, a secular, brilliant sociologist historian named Tom Holland in his book Dominion, about 500 pages of goodness. And in that book, if you're going to help me light candles, would you come on up here? Um, in, in both of those books, both Dominion and The Rise of Christianity, they talk about the spread of the gospel uh, across the Roman Empire. Um, they, they talk about the establishment of hospitals and orphanages. They, they both talk about the fact that things like human rights and the value and dignity of women and children were actually born of this movement that you and I called Christianity. In fact, one of the strange things about the moment that we're in, um, specifically on the progressive front, is almost all the ideals espoused by a secular world in this given moment found their roots in the coming of Jesus and his church. But what's happened is people want the kingdom without the king. They, they want what he brings about in the souls of men and women without ever relenting our souls to him as the king of kings and lord of lords. But in both of those books, what we read about is a slow, steady growth of light as hearts are transformed by the coming power and grace of Jesus Christ. And so we're gonna sing Silent Night, Holy Night together. I would love for you to marvel or think about where you were when the gospel penetrated your own soul, when you woke up to the fact that he's good and near and kind. Um, do me a favor, why don't you stand with me, but please be careful. We had a fire incident in the last service. We don't want another one of those, all right? Let's sing this together. <laughs>